So uh, I have three kids, a lot of you guys know. My youngest one's Landon. He's three years old. And uh, Landon is a funny, funny kid. Um, and pretty much any day of the week, you can hear him screaming throughout our house. He's the loudest person I've ever met. I was joking with my family today that even his whisper is piercing. It's like, what? You know, it's like, ah, you know. And so you can find him just screaming at, at some room in the house pretty much every day for one reason or another. And recently as he was doing that, I went running, and, and as I'm running to find out what was going on, I'm yelling Cade and Brynn. I'm yelling their names because I figure they're antagonizing him in some way or another. And I, I was kind of surprised when I got there and found him by himself, and he was just by himself screaming. And so I said, Landon, what is going on? And he says, I can't get my shoe on, right? And so he's just screaming at himself because he can't get it right. And this happens all the time. You know, you'll be in another room, and all of a sudden, you know, he's playing Wii, and, and you hear the scream, and you go, and you're like, Cade, Brynn, leave him alone. And there he is again by himself. Can't get the thing pointed at the right way, you know? You know, it's like, Landon, stop. You turn it around now, you know? And uh, so he's always messing that up, and he gets so angry at himself. Um, sometimes it's after he goes to the bathroom and he gets those button flies, man. Forget it. For a three-year-old, you know, like we need to get back to just good old-fashioned like Velcro, you know. And, and so he's just, you know, trying to get that and he can't get it right. And so he gets all upset himself and just screaming, yelling. And he gets so frustrated that he can't get it right. And I have to tell you that, unfortunately, he resembles someone else in our family when he does it. That's Kelly. No, I'm just kidding. Um, he resembles me. He resembles me because... I'm kind of like that, you know? And it's not so much about tying shoes or Wii remotes, but it's about life and really about my relationship with God. You see, so often I think I want to get things right, you know? I want to do things the right way. I don't want to displease God. And so when I start to think I am, I, I get real angry or, or I, want, I, I think to myself, I could, I could do this or I could have done this better or I, I could have done the right thing here and I didn't. And I can beat myself up over and over and over again about it. And I get so upset about it. And I'll tell you, I actually wrote this message for our morning church about a month and a half ago and spoke it there. And then I felt like God led me to speak it at St. Joseph's College when we were out there for worship night. And I, just, I was just praying about what to do here. I know this is a repeat for some of you guys, but I knew that God wanted me to share it with you guys as well because I would guess that a lot of you are like me and Landon. And that is that you beat yourself up is that when we get things wrong, especially when we sin and when we do things we know we shouldn't have done in the first place, we just continue to be, beat ourselves up. And really, like Landon, we're our own worst enemies, you know? Like, I, I realize as Landon kind of does these things that the, the worst person I can leave him with in my house is himself because he just gets so upset at himself. And I know that can be true of us sometimes too. It's just like, I just can't believe that thought went through my head. I can't believe I lashed out that way. I can't believe I ended up doing what I promised God I'd never do again. I can't believe that I ended up here again. And we beat ourselves up, and the guilt is huge, and the condemnation that we heap on ourselves is gigantic, right? And so tonight I want to talk about that. I want to talk about this struggle because, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, there's, there's more like religion in me than I'd want to admit. There's more works in me you know, there's more earn it, Doug, do it right, Doug, than I would want to admit when it comes to my relationship with God. And the thing we've got to be careful here about it, during the prayer I said I'm walking on this tightrope, is I'm not saying just do whatever you want and, you know, God loves you, okay? Yes, God loves you, but we're going to look tonight here at this guy, Paul, and Paul, as he talked about grace and he talked about living for God, 
he always walked this tightrope and it always seemed like the people that he spoke to were like swinging back and forth between these two extremes. They were like insanely like, oh, I'm going to please God and not do anything wrong. And they became legalistic and religious and had no room for grace. And then he said, guys, what are you doing? It's not about earning your salvation. And then they swung the other way and said, all right, it's party time. Let's just go do what we want. And then he had to bring them back and they just kind of kept swinging back and forth between these two extremes. And, and so tonight... Um, I really am kind of going to more talk about how we beat ourselves up a lot and how we often walk around with a lot of self-condemnation, but don't hear me saying something I'm not. I'm not saying walk out of here, do whatever you want. God will just forgive you anyway, okay? So we're going to kind of try to get this right tonight. But as I've been talking just with friends, I mean, Joey and Andrew and and Pastor and I talk, and sometimes we share some of the things going on in our lives, and, and there's been uh, several times in the last you know, couple of months where I've just been struggling with something in my own heart and these guys have had to look me in the face and just say, Doug, you gotta get over this. Like you're beating yourself up over something that's not even wrong. Like, like what, you're, what you're struggling with and thinking that God's disappointed with in you is not even like a sin in the first place, you know? And so you're beating yourself up and, and you're kind of just letting yourself have it over something that's truly not even an issue, and so I think all of us sometimes have these things in our hearts and we hear, not, you know, not, I'm not hearing literal voices, okay? But we, but we hear these voices in our head that say, you know what? God doesn't want you anymore. Look what you did. You think he can use you now? You think he wants you to represent him with the name Christian? You think he still cares? You think he still wants you after you just did that? I'd say I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm 34. I've been a Christian most of my life. And I feel those feelings, guys. I feel that weight sometimes. And so I would guess that you do, too. And I want you to know something. So often we're, we're beating ourselves up, and I want you to know that we have a lot of help. We have a lot of help when it comes to beating ourselves up. Because Satan is right there always whispering in our ears. Always lying, always spreading rumors, always doing things to get us to believe things about ourselves that aren't true. In fact, in the, in the Greek, the word devil actually means one who engages in slander. One who's just constantly there, just slandering you and me. Just whispering in our ears things about ourselves that aren't true. Look at the the dictionary defines slander as a malicious false statement. And Satan's just there 24-7. You know, malicious false statements in our ears, trying to destroy us, trying to destroy our faith and our relationship in God. Uh, in In Hebrew, the word Satan means adversary. And a slight variation of that is accuser. And so you got Satan constantly there accusing you. You screwed up again. You did it again. You said you wouldn't do it. You talked to your accountability partner. You told your small group, and you did it again. God doesn't want you. You're not a Christian. You don't belong to him. No one else struggles like this, right? And we hear all these things, and we beat ourselves up, and we struggle so much. You know, as I was thinking about this, I realized that one of the things that I do often is I will miss out on all the awesome things that God gave me grace to do well in a day because I'm focused on the one or two things that I just really messed up on. You know, going through your day, you know, you walk through your entire day and God gave you grace to be a good witness to somebody or to keep your cool at work when your boss is screaming at you or whatever the scenario is and we just kind of forget all that and we focus on what we did wrong. You know, I, on Easter, my dad and I 
um, we're sitting at the Easter table, minding our own business, being nice, and, and my eight-year-old son and his six-year-old cousin challenged us to a baseball game. We're like, all right, bring it, you know? And so we went outside, we started playing baseball, and um, I'll tell you what, we, we, my dad and I got out to a good 15-run lead or so. Uh, we're not having any mercy on these kids. But uh, eventually what happened is, is as they got up, they started hitting real well. And then when they got back up the second inning, they were like ready to rock. And, and I'll t- I'm, I'm telling you this, and you are never to repeat it to Cade or his cousin, but they legitimately struck, struck out both me and my dad in that inning. I mean, just whizzing the ball by. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll take it easy on you, son, you know, and sat down, you know. But they legitimately struck us out a few times, and they're making great plays and stuff. But during the course of this game, both of them at different times broke down and started crying. But, but wait, like you just struck me out. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that, but, but yeah, you struck me out, right? And you guys are hitting the ball real far and you're making great plays, but no, they didn't hit it far enough. They didn't catch it enough. They didn't get enough runs. They didn't strike us out enough. And, and they both broke down at different times crying and to the point where my dad and I had to just stop with them and say, do you realize what's going on here? Like you guys, a six and an eight-year-old are playing exceptionally well against a 34-year-old and a 57-year-old and you're upset about this? And then they do exactly what we do. Because of a few small things, they dropped the ball, they, they struck out, they missed the fact that they had done incredibly all throughout that game. And I think that's so often us. You know, and, and I think of my son, Caden, I'm just thinking of him in that moment thinking, man, like, if only you could see, like, how proud I am of you, that you have gotten through all of this, that you've done so well today, and instead you're just focused on these mistakes. And you're beating yourself up over these mistakes. And, and the same thing I believe is true of God, that God just looks at us. And the Bible says one of my favorite verses, and I, I, I quote this a lot, is that he knows our frame, that we're just dust. And I believe he looks at us a lot. And, and I believe his heart is that of a father to say, like, stop beating yourself up over this or this. Like, I'm not saying it's not sin, okay? In the same way, I didn't say to Cade, Oh, it's not true. You didn't really strike out. Like a kid struck out, okay. But enjoy the grace that's there and all the amazing things that you did well. You see, we're always beating ourselves up and Satan's always whispering in our ear. And so here's what's true of our relationships with God. Here's what's going on. Here's kind of the behind the scenes thing. You see, Satan can't steal your relationship with God. He doesn't have the power or the authority to do that. But what he can do is he can accuse you and I so much and slander us so much that we miss out on the joy of our relationship with God or we doubt our salvation so that we are ineffective as followers of Jesus and can't impact anybody because we're walking around just constantly beating ourselves up. And so tonight I want to talk about this. And I want to just look at one of the most awesome chapters in the Bible And if you're not a Christian, I want you to really pay attention tonight because what we see here is absolutely aimed at you, right along as it's aimed at me. Because maybe for you, you have thought, I've just done too much, I've counted myself out, he wouldn't want me, he can't love me anymore, I've just said I wouldn't do that thing too many times, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, and it hasn't worked out. And I just want you to see tonight the heart of our God, the heart of Jesus, and remember, I'm not, I'm not saying go out, just do what you want, and God will love you and forgive you. Yes, God loves you and forgives you. But let me say this too. 
There's always a consequence. There's always a price to bear. If I had another week next week and I could swing the pendulum the other way, I would. I don't have time. But I'm not, again, please, I plead with you to not use tonight's message as a license to sin, as Paul says in Scripture. But instead, I really, truly want you to enjoy the grace that he's given. And I, and I want you to be able to walk out of here tonight free from continuing to beat yourself up over things that you've done in your life and in my life. And so let's check out Romans chapter 8. And it's just some amazing verses. Verse 31 says this, If God is for us, who can be against us? So right there, Paul starts out and he's saying, look, I just want to just ask you guys a question. If God is for you, almighty God, creator God, savior God, if he's for you, then who can be against you? And I think so often the answer that we bring back so quickly is, I can be against me, right? Like, probably a lot of us in the room would think to ourselves, well, I'm not really worried about that person being against me, that person being against me, but, but I know my own heart, and I know what a mess it can be, and so I'm against me. I rule myself out. And tonight, what he's trying to get across here is, hello, God is for you. God is for you. And we're going to see how that unfolds here. Verse 32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So he sends Jesus to die for us. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You know what he's saying here? He's saying, all right, look. If I told you God is loving, you don't have to believe me. If I say, hey, you know what? I just want you to know. God loves you. You go, so what? I mean, how do I even know that? How do you know that? You know that because God put his money where his mouth was. He didn't just say, hey, guess what? I made you and I created you and I love you, but I love you so much. Now I'm going to actually take my son and send him to die in your place for you. And just as a little side note, if you're wondering what the difference between Christianity and every way of believing out there is, is this is the only, only, only one who came for you, Jesus. He's the only one who came for you. I say this all the time, but I think I need to keep saying it, right? Allah didn't come for you. Buddha didn't come for you. God of the Jews, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormon, Mormons, right? Joseph Smith, I mean, L. Ron Hubbard, right? None of them came for you. None of them said, I will come and be the Savior. I will come and rescue you. I'll t- all of them say, I'll tell you how to live, but none of them came for you. And so God is trying to say here, all right, in case you're doubting my love, in case you're doubting that I'm for you, I sent my son for you. I put my money where my mouth was to prove to you that this is real. We were over at my family's house today and we were just playing this silly game with my whole extended family over there and and I, I was whispering in my kids' ears and then they were they were acting out whoever I whispered. And it was all people in the room. It could have gone terribly bad. But uh, eventually, somebody else started whispering to them. And, and then Cade's like, I got one of my own, right? I got one of my own. And so like, all right, Cade. And everyone's watching Cade. And so he, he goes, all right, guess who this is? And he starts going like this. <laughs> right? Now, for those of you guys who've been to college for the last month, I, I sprained my ankle, and, or I'm sorry, my knee, and ripped my calf muscle. And so... He's been seeing that for the last month. So he's mocking the, the cripple, okay? And then he's here tonight with me. And so he's helped me out in the office upstairs. And I said, all right, but let's go downstairs. And he, he walks out of the office. He goes, he goes, I'll go slow. And he starts walking like this, right? And then he's going down the stairs real slow. 
And so he's going super slow all the way down. And I just kept my patience, you know? And I just quiet. And, and then he got right down to the bottom of the stairs. And I just said, what's going to happen when I get down those stairs? And he goes, ah! And he just kind of ran out the door, right? And when I got down those stairs, man, I, 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 I hightailed it as fast as I can across the lobby. And he was hiding down there in the stairs. And he thought I'd pass. And he came out. And I was like, ah! You know, and he, ah! So, all right. And you know what? In that scenario, you've got him taunting me. You've got him coming at me, right? And, and I just said to him, I said, hey, what's going to happen when I get down those stairs? And he knew something. He knew, okay, he's about to prove that I'm in trouble. He's about to prove that what he's saying is going to play itself out and it might not go well for me here, okay? And so he took off. And you know what? God, by sending Jesus, is saying just the opposite. He's saying, all right, you don't believe that I love you. Well, watch this. You know, I mean, I'm walking down those stairs going, all right, I'm going to prove to you something, son. I'm going to prove who's the man here, right? And, and, and he, God, is saying, all right, I'm going to prove to you something. I'm going to prove to you that my love is unending. And if I have given you Jesus, then you seriously think I'm going to hold something against you. You seriously think that I'm going to want you to walk around in condemnation and guilt and continue to beat yourself up. He goes on. He says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? He says, it is God who justifies. And, and this term justifies is just a fancy word. And basically what it is, it's a legal term. And it means that when it comes to the law, that you are seen as pure and holy because of what Jesus has done. Okay, it doesn't mean like God's blind and he can't see your sin, right? It means that when the law is trying to condemn you and say, hey, he's a sinner, he's a sinner, she's a sinner, because of Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then he sees you as if you are as pure and holy as he is. Okay? And so here it's saying, I know you keep beating yourself up. I, I know you're, you're against yourself. I know that you, you like to you know, pick up that bat and just beat yourself down. But I just want you to know, it's not you who justifies yourself. It's not you who has the final say here. He's saying, it's God who has the final say here. So if God justifies you, if God tells you you're, get this, if God tells you you are okay, then who can nullify that? Who can make that void? Who can make that not count? As I'm playing baseball with my kids, I pitch the ball in. Cade's standing there at the plate. The ball goes by. Everyone waits to see what dad has to say because my, my say counts, Right? Brynn's looking at me like, it was a ball. Cade's like, no, 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 no. It might have been a strike. And Landon's like, it was a field goal. He doesn't know what he's talking about, you know? And, and I'm standing there, and you know what? And everyone's just waiting because what I say is going to determine everything here. And so I say to him, strike or ball, and that's it. And you know what? It's the same thing here. We're, we're all looking, right? Or maybe we should all be looking at God for the final word here. So many of us are looking in the mirror at ourselves. Like, oh, what's the final word here? Oh, still a loser, still a sinner, still screwing up, still breaking promises. And we should be looking at God because he is the one who justifies. Do you know that you looking in the mirror really has no power at all except to keep you limited and missing out on the joy that God actually has to offer you in him? We should be looking to God because he is saying, if you're in a relationship with him, pure, holy, justified, because of what Jesus has done. Then verse 34, he says, who then is the one who condemns? And again, we all say, oh, me, because I know my heart. 
But look at the answer. Look at the next part. It says, no one. And I love that it says no one because you know who no one is? You know who no one includes? You and me. Who then condemns? He says no one. He doesn't say, well, everybody but you, you can condemn yourself. Everybody but Satan who's whispering in your ear, he can condemn you. No, he says no one, which includes him. He's not condemning you. Goes on. It says Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, and I love this, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. The word interceding means to appeal to someone or to plead for someone. And I love this verse because you know what most of us really kind of, we know well, even if you're not a Christian here tonight, you know what we all know well? That supposedly Jesus came and died for us 2,000 years ago, right? So it's this thing that happened 2,000 years ago. So all right, maybe it did happen, maybe it didn't. You might be struggling with that tonight and wrestling with that tonight. You might be real confident that did happen tonight. But even if it did, that's 2,000 years ago. That's a long time. I don't know about you, but I love so much that this verse is telling me that today, in 2012, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father appealing for me and pleading for me and for my issues and my sin. And he's sitting at the Father's side just going, wait, wait, I paid for him with my blood. He's mine. He belongs to me. He's pure. He's holy. And guys, if you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, he's doing that for you too. And he knows what you did last night, and he knows what you did today, and he knows what you'll do tomorrow even though you don't. And he still stays at the right hand of the Father pleading for you today, not 2,000 years ago. But now, he goes on a little bit more. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. What's he talking about here? He kind of goes into this terrible list of things, all of which Paul experienced. And what he's trying to say here, guys, is that, you know what? Often when bad things happen in our lives, we begin to think, oh, God must, lo- must not love me anymore. He must, he must be counting me out now because of my sin. He must not want me anymore. He must not be there kind of in that protector, father, hear, healer, you know, hearing my prayers mode. And what Paul's trying to say here is, you know what? No matter what we go through, trouble, persecution, hardship, all these things, that still doesn't mean that the Father doesn't love me. It still doesn't mean that Jesus isn't crazy for me and at the right hand interceding and pleading for me. In verse 37, it says, no, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. So no matter what the hardship is, no matter what craziness is coming at you, you can walk through that joyful in the love of God. And then he just like seals the case up in verses 38 and 39. He says this, for I'm convinced, and I just want you to hear this list. I'm convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does anybody feel like he's trying to get something across here? Anybody feel like he's trying to rule out all doubt? that we can trust 
the love of God, that we can enjoy the grace of God, not abuse it, not use it as an excuse, but that we can truly enjoy the love of our Father. And when we need his grace, because we've screwed up, because we've done things that we shouldn't, we don't have to stand around and carry guilt and shame and beat ourselves up, but we can truly enjoy that grace. You see what I think Paul's saying in all this is that your shortcomings cannot separate you from God's love. Your shortcomings can't separate you from God's love. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, there's like a little short circuit in my mind. Because here's what I think so many of us believe. I think so many of us believe that, yes, Jesus came and he died and he rose again, and so all my past sins are covered. But we begin to really look at today and our issues now and our shortcomings now. And we begin to think, well, this must rule me out and that must rule me out because after all, I've been saved for a while and I'm still struggling. And now scripture's clear. There should be change in our lives. But I'll tell you what, sometimes that change takes a while. And we're gonna all be changing for the rest of our lives. And I don't know about you, but I often really struggle with the shortcomings that I've had with the sin issues in my life over the last, say, month or the last week even. I really struggle with, man, why did I do that? I'm so stupid. I can't believe I gave in like that. And I can just beat myself up so badly. And I've just been so blessed recently just to be able to sit back and go, wait a minute. He, he saved me then from all that sin. He saved me knowing what I would be doing, all the ways I would fail him, and yet he still saved me. And not only that, but he knew all the ways I would fail him in the future, and he still saved me. And so your shortcomings, those things even still in your life now, cannot separate you from his love. So what does this look like in case you're getting nervous and you think I'm up here just condoning sin and saying just live how you want, let me ask you some questions. I think these questions might help narrow this down a little bit and kind of help you see the process, I think, of what it looks like when we do struggle with our sin. The first question is this. When you, when you do something wrong, when you sin, is there a true godly sorrow in your heart? You know, like, like, oh man, I, I screwed up. I, I did something I shouldn't have. And man, I, I just, God, I hate that I did that. Now see, the problem is, is, is most of us take that, we take stage one right there, and we hold that for a year, right? See, that's an important part of this process. But I don't believe God wants it to be this long, drawn-out thing where we just kill ourselves over our sin. And so let me ask you this question again. When you sin or when you make a mistake or when you fall short, is there a truly a godly sorrow? Because that's the beginning of this. Se secondly, is there a true desire to change? You know, so the first part of this is, God, I really, really messed up. And the second part of this is, God, I don't want to end up here again because I love you, because I don't want to end up hurting you again because I'm so blessed by what you've done in my life. So, so God, I want to change. 
But the last question, and by far the most important, is this. When you've told them that you're sorry, and when you've told them you want to change, are you able to just sit back and enjoy that the blood of Jesus has made you pure? Because if the answer to those questions are all yes, then I have some incredible news for you tonight. You're his. You're his. And your shortcomings cannot separate you from his love. And yes, there should be a growth and there should be a change. And I can tell you that in my life, God's done that. In many of our lives, God's done that and is continuing to and will for the rest of our lives. But if you can say that, man, when I sin, I go to God in sorrow. I don't, I'm not gonna beat myself up for it over the next year, but I go to him with a true sorrow. I ask him, God, would you just change me and be at work in me? And then I'm able to just enjoy his grace. Then you're his. Enjoy his grace. Not as a license to sin. Because I think when we begin to use it as a license to sin, then we can't say we're truly sorry when we do it and we can't say we truly want to change, right? It's kind of the other balance here. But ultimately, if you can say, God, I'm sorry, change me, make me more like you, but all right, I'm free. I'm free because of your love. I'm free because of what you've done for me. And so then we need to stop condemning ourselves. We need to stop walking around. Some of you guys, and me included, we walk around with years of regret on our shoulders. I mean, I can tell you things, literally, I can tell you things I did in like fifth grade. It's a really long list of them, actually, from fifth grade. That was a bad year. You know what? I mean, I can go way back. And we can walk around beating ourselves up and hating on ourselves and missing the joy of God through all of that. But God's heart for you, like my heart for my son, is to just say, I love you. I forgive you. Yes, I'm gonna work with you to change that. But right now, I just want you to stop beating yourself up and I want you to enjoy the grace that I have for you. Because that grace didn't come free. That grace came free to you but it wasn't free. It was purchased and bought for you by the death of Jesus on a cross. And so will you enjoy his grace? And you know what? If you're not a Christian tonight, I hope you've seen something really powerful. I hope you have seen that it has nothing to do with trying to earn God's favor. This is all unmerited. If it was about earning God's favor, the Bible says not one of us could get it. And so tonight I hope you have seen that this is an undeserved love that God wants to pour out on your life and forgive you and remove that guilt and that shame and let you walk free in him now. A few weeks ago we were up in the office and um, guys and I, we found out that one of our friends um, that we haven't really talked to in a while but uh, was from a, a different state and was uh, working at a church, just made like the worst decision ever and just really, really screwed up his life. And when he made this decision, he 
uh, I mean, destroyed his ministry. He destroyed, um, at least for a time, his family. And he's just got a huge mess on his hands. You know, Joey preached the following Friday at the green room, and, and I preached that this message two days later, that Sunday, and, and we both said the same exact thing. We had the same exact feeling when we heard this news. You know what that, that, that feeling was? The feeling was that this guy's story isn't over yet. That this guy's story isn't over yet. Yes, he made the stupidest decision and destroyed so much and hurt so much, but you know what? His story isn't over yet. That if this guy will turn to God and say, God, I'm really sorry for this. And God, I want to change, and I never want to walk down this road again. Would you change me? And God, I'm going to rest now in your grace and let you bring healing to me. I'll tell you what, that guy is no more ruled out than you or I are tonight. And you know what? I hope none of us in this room ever do what he did because he has a world of pain right now. But there's a God in heaven who passionately pursues him and wants to transform the remainder of his life. And he wants to do the same for you. I would just ask my son, Cade, if he'll come up because I want you guys to really walk away tonight not just hearing words, but seeing something powerful. And so here's my buddy, the baseball man. There he is. And Cade's an amazing, amazing kid. And he's really good. And... uh does a great job around our house, just keeping peace and, and, and just being a blessing to Kelly and I. But you know what I know about Cade is uh, the same thing I know about myself, and that is that he's not perfect. And there have been times he's made mistakes, and there'll be times he continues to. But I want you to see tonight that the same thing about you and I is the same thing about us and God. Same thing about Kate and I. And that truth is, is that nothing can separate him from my love. That no matter what he does, just close your ears for a second. No matter what he does, and no matter what he comes home and says, that the truth is, nothing can separate him from our love. And I know that Kelly feels that way. And I know that we take tremendous joy in this guy. That he's a huge blessing to us. And that despite the ups and downs, and I mean, I know we're only at eight here. We haven't hit the teen years yet and all that good stuff, but there's just this passionate love. And so truthfully, Cade could come and say anything to his mom and I. And what we would do back is say, all right, and there might be some consequences and there might be some issues and there might be some things that we have to work through and there might be some pain, but nothing can separate him from our love, that there's this going to always, always, always be an unconditional love that we have for him. And just in case you were wondering, I want to just solidify this with one last little bit here. You going to hold that? Good, man. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) He can't breathe, he said. That's all right. Quiet, son. No, yeah. Because nothing can separate him from my love. Even. But Cade, this guy can be confident. And I think that he is. I think that he is. I think that the way that he lives and the way that he enjoys life shows that he's just confident that, okay, yeah, he's going to have his days. And he's going to have his moments. But that ultimately, hey, 
You're trying to separate yourself from my love? Here, what's going on here? All right, that happens sometimes too in our relationship with God, doesn't it? But you know what? Even in those moments, nothing can separate us from his love and nothing can separate you from his love. Not because he attached himself to you with duct tape and bungee cords, but because he attached himself to a cross to take your place. And that speaks more than this ever could. And so would you guys know tonight and live confidently in the fact that your shortcomings cannot separate you from God's love. Let's pray together. God, we thank you, Lord, for the way that you've worked in our lives. And I thank you, God, for Cade and and just this picture right here, God, that nothing can separate us and that you've just um, poured out your love on us like I have love for him that's unconditional and that he has his moments and I forgive him and I love him and I continue to call him mine. There'll never be a day I won't call him mine. And I pray, God, that you'll be with us tonight and that you will convince us of that for ourselves. That you, God, would just allow our hearts to be at peace and that people here who have been beating themselves up for years or even just a couple days will be able to tonight say those things to you, God, that we're sorry, that, God, we want to change and we want the Holy Spirit to be changing us, but that, God, now we're going to be at rest because the blood of Jesus has made us pure. And so I pray freedom for a ton of us tonight, God, and I pray that you'd help us to walk forward now. And so if you're a Christian, would you just bring them those things that you've been beating yourself up with? Would you allow them to work in your life? And if you're not a Christian, I just want to give you the opportunity tonight to put your faith in Jesus. This is all about a trust and a love relationship with him. And so if you want to do that, you can just pray something like this. Jesus, I thank you for dying for me on the cross. I thank you for rising back from the dead. And I put my faith in you tonight. And I ask you to be my savior and be my God and lead me forward in confidence that nothing and no one, not myself or anything else in all creation, can separate me from your love. Amen.